Chapter 1. Exploring Our Identities I am in the hot seat in front of a group of curious fifth graders at NIST International School in Bangkok. All eyes are on me, the guest, the foreigner. I have about 15 minutes with them just to introduce myself as I tour the school, and so I do what any person looking to engage in full disclosure with nine-year-olds would do. I say, I'm going to share my top three things I think you should know about me and my identity, and then you can ask me any question you want. I take a deep breath. So, something you should know about me is I love soccer. The kids had already been making nonverbal connections to me by way of smiling, but now I saw what I call OMG faces. Do you mean football, one calls out? Yes, football. Sorry, I forgot everywhere else in the world calls it that. Something else you should know about me is that I have two nieces and two nephews whom I adore. I pause a moment. And the last thing is, I am a teacher in America. I look at the kids and smile. Okay, your turn. Their hands shoot up. Where do you come from? America. A young lady follows up. No, like, where do you come from? Like your family. Well, I live in New York, but I was born in Chicago, which is also in America. But my parents are from India, if that is what you are asking. The young lady lights up. I am from India, too. Two more call out. Yeah, me too. I field a few more questions about who my favorite footballer is and some connections from kids who have traveled to New York or anywhere in America where they have family. After we finish our discussion, my new friend from India, too, comes up to me and wants to know more about me, my family, and India. She is super excited to share when I ask her a couple questions about her ancestry. She lingers. And I get it. Even though our ties are to different regions in India and probably different religions, subcultures, and customs, she can see herself in me and I in her. And that is what mattered most in that moment to both of us. We felt heard. We felt understood. We felt visible. We have an obligation to make kids feel visible. When we recognize and value students' identities, we make time and space for them in the daily classroom routines, curriculum, and dialogue. We can help students shine a light on who they are, their hopes and dreams, talents, family histories, how they identify culturally, the languages they speak, how they learn best, the story of their names, what they can teach us. How do we make kids feel visible? My sense of effectiveness as a teacher has always been tied to my relationship with my students. I invest time in getting to know their individual identities, find the connections we have, and learn more about them by asking questions. I have informal conversations with them on the peripheries, walking in the halls, recess, lunch, sports practice. I do a lot of kid watching, noticing their flight patterns in class and around the school. As educators, the advice we often hear about forming relationships with students, don't be friends with students, get too personal, blur the lines, or smile the first couple weeks, builds a dangerous wall between us and our kids. If my goal as an educator is to create an environment that fosters humanity, I have to genuinely work to build, bridge, and bolster relationships in my community. Relationships are essential to teaching and learning because teaching and learning are social endeavors. We need to love our students the way Sonia Nieto implores us to do in her 2009 book, Language, Culture, and Teaching. She writes, Caring and love are more than just sentimental or superficial affection. 
Instead, caring and love are about just the opposite. That is, having high expectations and great hopes for all students, believing in their abilities and respecting their identities.